1: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host Andrew Mertzig. Andrew, it's Friday. We're back. It's good to be here. How you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing great, except that I'm probably going to have to edit out you jostling your microphone as you're starting to read your intro.
1: Listen, uh, <laughs> I was hoping that no one would notice that, but... I don't know if it's going to
2: show up, so this is going to be really funny if it doesn't. But I anyways, just
1: reached up and grabbed the microphone and started talking because it was like five feet away from my face. So I can't
2: believe how fast <laughs> this week went. It was really enjoyable to sit back on Sunday and, and have a game where... It felt like a comfortable win for for much of that performance, mm. and um, yeah, we're we're here for episode eleven seventy one and seventy one in Packers lore. To me, I go back to Santana Dotson. Nice, um, nice. You could definitely talk Josh Sitton, right? Yes. Uh-huh. You talk Josh Myers now. Uh, so seventy one, pretty pretty good number. Kevin Berry, of course, wore seventy one. If you're
1: talking about the U seven one package as well. That's very nice. Very nice references there. Lots of good players, uh, good historic number to for Josh Myers to grab a hold of and hopefully carry forward. But uh, it's it's today's Rick Wagner as well. Oh yeah, okay. Just let's get them all in, right? Okay, <laughs> Rick Wagner, shout out. Um, you know, it's Thursday. We record on Thursdays for Fridays. I don't know if anybody you know is upset about that. We don't actually record on Fridays, right? Being authentic here. But Thursdays, they're, they're not always huge news days, but we did get a solid amount hit the news today uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And so, uh, Andrew, do you want to kick us off here with we'll just kind of get into the stream of events that happened the last couple of days?
2: Yeah, I know yesterday's group certainly talked about Stefan Gilmore and the near trade, the Almost acquisition, <laughs> if yeah. if you want to go with that. Uh, and, a, you know, obviously it dominated Twitter headlines all across Wednesday of the Will They. Uh, certainly you hear the Packers are connected with a former All-Pro quarterback, a former Defensive Player of the Year candidate, uh, somebody who is incredibly impactful just going back a couple of years ago. And certainly, you know, Gilmore would have been a really interesting acquisition. The Jair Alexander injury makes that even more of of an interesting aspect. But at the end of the day, he goes to Carolina Panthers for a sixth round pick. And people will say, well, that's it, right? Why wouldn't the Packers match that? I do think that there's probably a lot more to the story, such as Gilmore wanting to go someplace close to his his original home in Carolina, I think it makes all the sense in the world that Gilmore is a guy who has already won a Super Bowl and is out there to try to make the most of his window to get that last huge contract. He's 31. Most corners don't get contracts beyond that point very often, at least not the big dollar ones. Right. You, know, you we, we see that with Richard Sherman. And so Gilmore's trying to capitalize on that. That's the reason why he's out of New England. And I think it's a huge reason why he chose the Panthers. This is a team with a ton of salary cap room that's going to be able to give him the extension that he's craving. So I do think that this was sort of a handshake agreement between Bill Belichick. And Stephon Gilmore to get him somewhere that he wanted to be. And I'm sure him and his agent were dictating that. And looking at Green Bay, this is a team that's not going to be able to sign you to a contract mm-hmm. extension, at least not the way things look right now. And so it does make sense that Gilmore, rather than necessarily, you know, quote unquote, chasing the title with the Packers, and I do, yeah. Carolina is very good this season. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They've looked excellent. <laughs> So I, I I think that that situation just appealed to him more. And I think this was more of a free agent-ish move than it really was a true trade.
1: That is a really good insight, Andrew. And I, I really don't think that a lot of people have talked about that personal aspect of it for Gilmore, the way that you just did. And in the long term, I think the age factor is a big deal here. When you say 31 years old, he knows he needs to be in a place where he can earn his Uh, approve his worth this year and then earn that next contract going into next year. And uh, I mean, there were the contract barriers for the Packers, the salary cap, you know, things that it would have been much, much easier if he had actually become released fully and available to sign. Um, And so, I mean, obviously lots of things were complicated in this one thing that I think is interesting, just because I like to break the internet to consider if Randall Cobb had not been brought back, The implications for this situation are very interesting to me, and I know that I will make people mad by saying this, but there is a reason why Brian Gutekinds does things the way that he does them, and I do think that there is a chance that if that contract was not on the books, the flexibility may have been there to make this Gilmore deal get done, especially you're talking about not a 22 sixth. You're talking about a 2023 sixth-round pick. And so if the financials were a little bit more fluid, I'm just saying I, we're coming out of a, of a Randall Cobb game where no one is going to bite that hand that fed them love Randall Cobb to death. But I just wonder if maybe Brian Gutekunst is sitting in his office going, you know how this might have been possible if we hadn't done this thing that I wasn't planning on doing. So just the thought that I had yesterday in my stewing, in frustration of why Spawn Gilmore was not a Green Bay Packer. <laughs> with everybody gnashing
2: their teeth about Kevin King this week and then that contract ruining this possibility, you bringing up Randall Cobb is going to be so popular. Just so <laughs> popular. So much fun. Should we move on before how, I get in more? yeah, trouble? how would a, how would a player the Packers actually have?
1: Yeah, let's talk about current packers that actually matter for this team in two thousand and twenty one. There were some pretty strong hints on Wednesday night yesterday that the Packers were making a real push to sign former Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith. And we got the official news. From Schefter on Thursday morning. And so Green Bay adds a linebacker to the mix here. Smith signs a one year deal with the Packers worth just $770,000. He will make much of his salaries that the that the Cowboys actually owe him, so he'll be doing just fine, but the Packers get quite a deal here as far as the financials are concerned, and it's interesting that it does sound like Jalen's relationship with Coach Lafleur actually played a large role in his wanting to be here in Green Bay. Of course, the two did know each other from their time that they shared there at Notre Dame, and it sounds like for Matt Lafleur the person Person and the leader that Jalen Smith was, uh, was just as big of a deal for him as he was, as the, you know, the player that he is going to hopefully be on the football field. But great, the Packers get him for less than a million dollars. And even better that Jerry Jones will continue to pay him uh, to the, you know, tune of about $7 million for this season while he plays for the Green Bay Packers.
2: Yeah. And just from a football standpoint, it is interesting. I think there's a lot of different ways that we can take this conversation. One is just simply Jalen Smith is an upgrade over Ty Summers. He's an upgrade over Oren Burks. I mean, you you may say that he is washed or however you want to phrase it, but his career is not done. He's still a capable NFL linebacker. He may not be the spectacular guy that we saw at Notre Dame before the Mm -hmm. injury. He may not be even the guy who came back and was a pro bowler with the Cowboys and and earned that long extension, all of those things may be in his past, but he's still a capable NFL veteran linebacker. And I think we've seen a lot of people weren't really excited about Devondre Campbell signing and he has been fantastic for them. And I think just having that veteran leadership at the linebacking position is so crucial. And so having him next to Campbell until Chris Barnes can get healthy And, you know, having even even if he's just another guy in the rotation, I think that's really impactful. One of the things that's been confusing for me, if you listen to a lot of the national media and also fans and media that are close to the Cowboys, they talk about Smith's struggles in pass coverage being the issue and and his run fits actually being better. And I've seen some some interesting stuff from people who have gone and analyzed some of Smith's play. Saying that actually he struggled a little bit in the run game and his pass coverage has been okay, um, at least looking at this year. If you look at Pro Football Focus, his his uh, pass coverage grades are actually fantastic and his run grades are horrible. So you know, I mean, not not that Pro Football Focus is perfect. I know you and I we we talk about that a lot, but it is interesting, right? Like there seems to be this sort of conflict of, of like what people think Jalen Smith's value is. And so I'm going to be really interested to watch scheme always plays a big role in that. Um, You know, if there are physical limitations to his game, that's going to play a big role in that. But I I'm, I'm excited to see him get on the field. I like the, he's wearing number nine at linebacker (laughs) though. I would have, I would have found it really funny if he would have wore like 58 and then, you know, trying to, be a quarterback to discern which one's Devondre Campbell and which one's Jalen Smith when they have numbers that are similar to each other. That would be funny. But um, I, I digress. I am really excited for this acquisition, even if he is m- makes kind of a smallish impact. I think that's going to be a marked improvement over what the Packers are seeing from their second linebacker right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you talk about the financial risk for the Packers here. It's, it's nothing. So like the chances of this being a good move for them are great. You know, like there's there's not a lot of downside here. So I think you it's, it's buried in and it's cooked in with the disappointment maybe of the Gilmore situation, but stand alone. Like this was a great move for the Green Bay Packers, and I think you can be optimistic about that. Ben Fennel is one of my favorites to listen to talk about um, just scheme and things like that that I don't understand to the degree that that he does. And he did talk about how this Joe Barry scheme really it plays to the linebackers and that they're not asked as much. Um, In this scheme as they are in other schemes, and I think we've seen that with Devondre Campbell, maybe some of the simplicity in the things he's been asked to do. And so maybe that does translate here. I'd love to hear Ben's thoughts. On how he sees this uh, playing in into something that maybe revives Jalen Smith's career here with the Packers and Joe Barry, but um, we got a little bit more news. Again, this is all tied to the to the emotions of the Stephon Gilmore move. Um, but stand alone, let's just talk about it on its own. You didn't get Gilmore, but you got Rasul Douglas. Okay, the Packers signed Rasul Douglas off the Cardinals practice squad. Um, obviously the Packers are hungry for cornerback depth here. Douglas will wear number 29 for the Green Bay Packers. He's coming from a practice squad, so you do have to limit your expectations. But this is a guy who started and he's played meaningful snaps around the NFL for the Eagles and for the Panthers. And so someone that you, I think, has to kind of like as a depth piece here um, and a creative acquisition that the Packers were able to make.
2: Yeah, and Douglas, you know, I'm sure you remember him coming out of college from West Virginia. He was a long corner. I think he he's right in that six two range. Yeah, six two. And he was a fun prospect. He ended up being a third round pick of the Eagles, and and I I I remember liking him a lot. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. He said today that, you know, things were going well in Carolina last season, and then he got COVID, really slowed his progress, and then the Panthers just jettisoned him. They they felt yeah. like they wanted to move on to some younger players. Uh, he is only 26, so still some development yeah. there. Yeah. We've we've seen plenty of of NFL corners who kind of were light bloomers, right? That's a position that takes a while to learn. It takes a lot of reps. It uh, takes a lot of experience. So somebody that's hung around in the NFL, granted he hasn't been – massively successful to this point but I do like that Brian Gutekunz continues to churn the roster kick the tires on guys this is a player with experience they have a lot of lack of depth going on uh, behind some of their starters and so why not right yeah see what you get in Douglas worst case you know you'd send him shipping and you try somebody else from a practice squad. But I, I like this as a really nice high upside move for a guy who certainly had a, a pretty high draft pedigree.
1: Yeah, and it's really cool to hear that it sounds like he's connected again with Shannon Sullivan, who he knew from his time in Philly, and Sullivan's kind of helping him on the side. Uh, get up to speed here with this uh, this defense. It sounds like they've been hanging out together over at uh, Sullivan's house in these first days that he's been up in Green Bay. So cool to see that, uh, bringing guys along to help the team out. But uh, we got a little bit more news. This one not as fun, but Chauncey Rivers stepping up, helping this team out at an edge spot that they really needed some guys to step up. He tore his ACL on the second-to-last play of practice on Wednesday Obviously, just a huge bummer for Rivers, who was finding his way onto the field, but an even bigger deal for this Packers edge group that just seems to be getting thinner and thinner by the day. Yeah,
2: definitely something that the Packers are going to have to address at some point because... You you noted this in the Detroit game when we were actually at Lambeau Field that the Packers were doing a pretty heavy rotation of those edge rushers, right? Like we were seeing sort of line changes where John Garvin and Chauncey Rivers would come in and they try to give Preston and Rashawn Gary a rest. And right now the Packers don't have a ton behind. Uh, John Garvin. So I don't know if we'll see a three-man rotation, um, or you know if they're they're going to try to get another edge rusher, um, you know, involved in in that rotation.
1: But it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Absolutely. And the Packers' Twitter is already clamoring for Clay Matthews. So you have that to look forward to on your Twitter timeline throughout the week as this progresses. But hey, Andrew, should we go ahead and flip the switch over to our show and what we are actually here? to do.
2: Absolutely. And I I, I should just address, I I was going to say this and then I started doubting myself, but Tipa Galea is is still um, on the active roster. And so we
1: may see him step in and fill some of those Chauncey Rivers snaps. Okay. That is interesting. Something to keep an eye on as well. But today is a Friday show. And if you know, you know, we're always here to talk Key matchups and X factors. As always, we're going to take a little bit of time and dive into the Packers' upcoming opponent, their roster, talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the game. And then, of course, we will share our X factor prediction that we give each week at the end of the show here. So, uh, week four was a ton of fun. We got the win against the Steelers, but we are ready now to turn the page to week five and the Packers' road trip to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. So, Let's go ahead and do it, Andrew. Let's talk about how we match up with Cincinnati. Definitely. Tepa of course, is on the
2: practice squad, not on the active roster. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my bad. <laughs> uh, that's what I get for looking on my phone mid-show. To, uh, I, I was right to doubt myself. I, I thought they made, made a roster move. We gave yeah. our
1: producer the night off, so we're scrambling yeah. a little Oof. bit.
2: Uh, but anyways, yeah, so edge does actually need to be addressed unless they're going to try Oren Burks out there a little bit. But, you know, we'll we'll see how that rotation goes. But anyways, my first key matchup is Kenny Clark versus the Bengals interior offensive line. And Kyle, in a moment, I cheated and looked ahead at what you were going to talk about tonight, uh, is going to highlight the Bengals passing game. And that one may not end up real pretty. So the Packers are going to have to make Joe, Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Their top offensive lineman has been Jonah Williams at tackle, and he's been good, but not great. Riley Reif has been okay at the other tackle. Quentin Spain ranks twenty-seventh in the league at guard, so he's in the, you know, bottom half of like the the number one guards across the league. But then you get to Xavier Suafilo and Jackson Carmen, who both have significant reps at guard. They're respectively sixty third and seventy fifth out of seventy five guards ranked by Pro Football Focus. So that is Sixty third out of seventy five and seventy five out of seventy five. Not <laughs> great. And their center, Trey Hopkins, is thirty-one out of thirty-three for ranked centers. So boy, if, if you want to disrupt this running game and get in Joe Burrow's face, you can do it up the middle. And this is actually a good time to go but have an aside here and mention that Trey Hopkins, Xavier Suafilo, and backup guard Dante Smith all did not practice on Thursday. Oh my. So things could potentially look even dicier for the Bengals come Sunday. So you get Kenny Clark and the rest of the Packers interior defense line. They're going to need to ball out. And I think the look of Rashawn Gary in that rover standing linebacker role that Darius usually plays is also going to give him some chances to take on those interior offensive linemen and make some plays up the middle of this defense and really disrupt
1: Joe Burrow. Listen, man, I'm really glad that you led with that because I'm a little bit nervous to talk about what I'm going to mention next here uh, in this next matchup. But I was aware of the treacherous condition of the interior of that Bengals offensive line. I was not aware uh, that they were as beat up as they apparently are missing practice and those kinds of things. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And man, Kenny Clark could have himself a game there. That's a good call. Watch that one. Uh, come Sunday, but like I said, I'm a little nervous to talk about this, but we're talking Bengals wide receivers versus the Packers cornerbacks. And, uh, this is low hanging fruit, but we got to talk about it. This would have been an interesting conversation if everything was normal, but the Packers have gotten really some uphill battles here with maybe, you know, Jair is out of this game. Uh, the Bengals potentially get T Higgins back from injury as well. Higgins was back practicing in a limited capacity on Wednesday and the team sounded cautiously optimistic that they would get their second-year wide receiver back for this matchup against the Packers. So Green Bay is hurting a corner, and the Bengals have three of the NFL's top five—top five would be incredible— NFL's top 25—I <laughs> <laughs> spoiled that—top uh, 25 graded wide receivers. So they've got Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins— if you buy any of what PFF is selling, that's an incredible group and in just the way that they're playing over there in this receiving room, which Matt LaFleur clearly doesn't buy what PFF is selling. We learned that this week. But uh, we reference PFF here a decent amount on Fridays because it at least gives you a ballpark for how these guys are performing. And through four weeks, the Bengals wide receivers have been very, very good. So Sunday's going to be very interesting to see how this defense and the secondary plans to adjust and limit this – very, very talented group because they're obviously going to be without a couple key contributors.
2: Yeah. And you and I, I mean, we, we have healthy skepticism of, of pro football <laughs> focus, right? Like, sure, but right. it is a great resource to sort of gauge some other teams. I'm not going to spend this whole week diving into Cincinnati Bengals uh, football necessarily, but having watched plenty of Bengals already this year, I can tell you that whatever the PFF rank is, their wide receivers are passing the eye test too. They have (laughs) looked fantastic. And so, um, you know, just to kind of back up what you're saying a little bit, my next matchup is the Bengals pass rushers against the Packers offensive line. And this this is way more general than I like to be when it comes to key matchups. But there really are some intriguing one-on-ones going on here. Part of the reason since he's off to this hot start this year is the play of their defense. And you take a look at their defensive line, DJ reader, BJ Hill and Josh Tupoa are all ranked in the top 15 defense alignment in the NFL. Again, we're going with pro football focus here, but three in the top 15 is pretty special. Then you, you look at their edges. You got Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. They're off to a little bit of slow starts compared to where they were, especially, you know, looking back at last year, but are proven solid pass rushers off the edge and both, you know, for a team to have a duo like that is, is actually pretty good. Um, so, you know, compliments to the sensitivity front, front uh, four or five, depending on, on what packages <laughs> they're in. And the Packers offensive line certainly has some question marks, right? Josh Myers did not practice on Thursday. Elton Jenkins was a limited participant. So maybe a little bit of optimism there, but the revolving door may continue to spin. And, and, While they have been making it work so incredibly well the last three weeks, constant change is going to eventually hurt you in one of these games. And the Bengals seem to have the personnel up front to do a little bit of damage. So that unit is going to need to continue to play incredibly well for the Packers offense to keep up with the Bengals team that is likely going to put up some points as we address with their wide
1: receiver group. Yes, and so the flip side of that is the Packers needing to put up points to keep up potentially, and so I'm just going to flip sides of the ball here. I talked about how the Packers have questions in the secondary for uh, themselves, but, man, the Bengals, they might have more in the secondary. This is a corner room of Cheeto Bay, Awuzie, Trey Waynes, Mike Hilton uh, in the slot, and then Eli Apple. So now due to injuries – Eli Apple has actually played the most snaps of anybody in this whole group, but I believe that he's actually the Bengals' preferred third boundary corner, which means that they'd prefer that he's actually on the bench. But he's played 281 snaps this season, and there are only four corners in the NFL with worse PFF grades. But uh, this, I I guess if you're going to talk about this, you got to talk about these other guys as well. Uh, At this point, it looks like Cheeto and Waynes are healthy uh, to play on Sunday, but they really haven't been much better than Eli Apple. Um, Awuzier is pretty much league average as a corner, and Waynes made his Bengals debut last week after first signing with them in 2020. He missed 19 games with separate injuries, but now he's out there. Uh, He played 53 snaps last week, and he was only targeted twice, which seems like a mistake because he allowed both receptions for 62 yards. Mike Hilton has been pretty terrible in coverage from the slot as well. So the Packers should have plenty of opportunities to get the ball to their receivers in this one. Uh, It feels like another plus matchup for Randall Cobb in the slot with Hilton. And the Bengals absolutely have no one who looks like a fair match for Devontae Adams. So the ability to keep up with a Bengals team who might put up some points is probably there. You just hope you don't have to get crazy doing it. Yeah. And basically, you know, a really
2: telling point is that NFL teams simply don't let good corners who are drafted high walk in free agency. Right. Especially when they've invested draft capital in them.
1: Mm-hmm. Both
2: Awuzie and Trey Wayne's fit in that category where they're they're the teams that drafted them and spent considerable draft capital just were like, yeah, right. see you later. <laughs> right right peace out and uh Eli Apple didn't even make it to the end of his rookie deal before the Giants couldn't wait to get rid of him and Mike Hilton was actually one of the better slot corners in the league but he looks like maybe age is catching up to him a little bit or Mm -hmm. or there's something else going on there so yeah that that's definitely something that I think the Packers can take advantage of yeah
1: I'm totally with you that Awuzie was actually one of my one of my guys in that draft class I really liked him and always thought that he was a nice fit as kind of like a A slot kind of corner maybe with some ability to to blitz and almost kind of like maybe someone who would take the road of like a Micah Hyde who could play the slot maybe a little bit of safety so I thought maybe hey he hits the Bengals maybe he finds a little bit of a different role but it seems like they've got him outside playing a lot of perimeter so you know, we get hung up on these things hoping our guys turn out, but he's one that certainly didn't for me. But hey, uh, so those are our key matchups for Bengals Packers for this Sunday. Of course, we've still got to stick around and do our X-Factor predictions for the week. Uh, Not to brag, but we are kind of on a little bit of a hot streak streak here, Andrew, and uh, that puts a little bit of pressure on us to keep these things going. So uh, what are we going to do this week? What are you going to make your uh, your call here for week five? So you want to talk about randall cobb or are you just gonna get really humble on me right now no nah, i was really hoping you'd throw it back to me so i could talk about ah, it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah Break yeah.
1: right away let's go yes, so uh five catches i don't know 60 some yards two 69. touchdowns 69 69 there you go nice nice i got a uh, two touchdowns i called for one but he gave me two because he went a little bit extra. So way to go, Randall Cobb, helping me out, get my X-Factor pick. But my goodness, what a what a game. Welcome back to Green Bay, Randall Cobb. Um, excited about that one. But I'm excited for you to tell us who you're going to go with this week because you told me pre-show, and I'm excited. Tell me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we have a hot streak going, so I should yeah. play it safe, right? Right. But that's not my style, man. <laughs> that is not my style. This is a super risky pick. But I'm gonna go with Kevin King. You you heard me right here. He has been able to practice the last two days, so that that's that's good news (laughs) because you're coming off concussion protocol and they actually let you practice, usually a sign towards you being able to play. The Packers absolutely need him to step up. And that might scare some of the listeners, and that's totally fine and maybe fair, but He has been challenged by fans for a long time, but I feel like the organization basically issued him a challenge this week with their flirtation with Stephon Gilmore Mm -hmm. and bringing in Mitchell Douglas. If King plays, he is going to get challenged by this great group of Cincinnati wide receivers, and I want to believe Kevin King, who I've had a lot of faith in over the last five years um, and probably hasn't really helped me out in justifying that faith, is going to step up and have one of his better games in the last couple of
1: seasons. I have gone to bat for Kevin King multiple times and I, I will, I hit my microphone there. (laughs) (laughs) That's how frustrated you are. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give him one more week here. I'm going to stick with you and hope that, yeah, I mean, this is a great opportunity for him. They need him to step up, like you said, and what an opportunity to come in and really, really show that he belongs out there and, And prove prove that. So we'll see. Here, here's the thing.
2: I said this so many times. There just really aren't that many good corners in the NFL. Yeah. There's not a lot of teams that have two really good corners, right? Like everybody's always frustrated with that second corner. And I I think you know Eric Stokes is gonna put be put in a precarious position because he's probably gonna be looked at as their number one. And with this Cincinnati offense, I don't think it matters who the number one corner is because they go to all three of those receivers Mm -hmm. kind of equally. And so the Packers are going to need other people to step up. And I think King, if he plays, is going to get that opportunity. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe this is more of a key matchup than it is an X factor. And, you know, certainly fits into what you talked about. But I do think Kevin has that ability. And he's shown it despite some of the lows. He's had some highs, too. And and Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know... He has the opportunity to come in and bounce back and, and maybe show a
1: little bit of pride. Yeah, you talked about like maybe we're kind of devolving into a, ma- uh, a key matchup here instead of an X factor, but I do think it's interesting if we talk about like Jamar Chase potentially having a rookie corner matchup. Like that's really interesting if he if he draws the Stokes matchup and then if we get king with you know a higgins who's maybe coming off a little bit of an injury that may help right like he may yep. not be 100 percent. i do think maybe one more key matchup we're just going to throw this in a little bit more specifically is going to be tyler Boyd and whoever he gets in the slot because that yep. could be could be a big one and we know that last week the cincinnati bengals moved Jamar Chase to the slot as a way to free him up from who he had on the outside. So watch that slot position a little bit for the Packers and what they're able to do there uh, in attacking that. But do you want me to shut up about yours and start talking about mine?
2: No, my, my last point was just, you know, an X factor can be good, and an X factor can be bad. Right, um, and I, I do think that that is that that's a pivot point in this game. How how are the Packers' corners going to play? And part of that is getting a pass rush, like I like I uh, talked yeah. earlier about, you know, penetrating the pocket up the middle, making Joe Burrow uncomfortable. So, um,
1: yeah, let's move on. Okay, cool. So we got Kevin King's going to have the game of his life on Sunday, and I'm calling for. The same for Darnell Savage. There are so many questions surrounding the Packers' cornerback group, but I think the safeties have a big game here. I specifically really like Savage in this game because I think he's going to get some chances to make some plays and coverage as Burrow and the Bengals try to exploit the Packers' lack of Shire Alexander, but I also think Green Bay may get creative with Savage in the slot and as a robber in this game, putting him in position to find the ball maybe a little bit more easily. So I'm going to say that Savage gets an interception, and I think we may actually see him uh, have his name called on a blitz in this game as well. So keep an eye out for number 26 out there on Sunday. Yeah, so definitely a challenge for the Packers secondary. How about, uh,
2: let's talk just really quick, what's the Bengals path to a victory in this game?
1: a shootout, if if it just becomes points, 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 and then, you know, I think the Packers should be able to keep pace with that, but the scary thing about that is if it's just like, if we're just leaking points for 60 minutes, like at the end of the game, you know, if you don't have the ball at the right time, then I think that that's something could get away from you or an unfortunate, you know, turnover or fumble could just really, you know, flip this. I mean, the Bengals are three and one, but I think that a lot of people know that the roster is not... A full three and one, if that makes sense. Uh, there's a little they they won these games and they deserve to do so. But we talked about like, you know, the holes in the offensive line, the holes in the secondary. They're very they have ways that you can beat them. And so I think the Packers are clearly the better roster. But yeah, I mean, if if this becomes a game where we're putting up a ton of points, it could get a little bit dicey.
2: Yeah, and I would say if the Packers can't establish a running game at all in this one, things could get a little scary. Sure, Uh, sure. You know, say what you will about Josh Myers being a rookie, but he has been doing an excellent job with that communication. Him and Aaron Rodgers have largely been on the same page in getting the right offensive line calls. And like I said, that Bengals front has been playing really, really well. So miscommunications are a problem. And guys like Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson make up for – their lack of athleticism by running a lot of stunts mm. and games. They're they're you know not going to beat you off the edge, but they're good at you know countering, getting back inside, clogging up your guards, uh, occupying different players. And so that communication is going to be really, really important. And if you can't establish a run game, third and longs, you start to worry about that communication on the offensive line. So um, I, I do think that that's going to be something really interesting to watch. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the a Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. and Next week, we'll be back getting ready for the Packers' Week 6 game against the Chicago Bears. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...